Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Hello. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, everybody. Sounded great. It's different to be out and singing and just worshiping that way. I really appreciate that opportunity. And I'm really glad to be here with you today. My hope for each of us this morning is that we will know deep in our hearts, deep in the decision-making core of who we are, that God wants to use us no matter what kind of baggage we have in our past. If you're facing something, a regret, a failure, anything like that, God is holding out his hand to you today. And he's saying, follow me and get back up. If we could each leave here today convinced that we're useful in our creator's hands, he made us. And as we follow him, we are useful with the things he wants to do. If we could be convinced that we are not beyond his power to heal and to redeem and that we're invited in spite of any ugly thing we've done, any ugly thing that's been done to us, we're invited into the story of God making things beautiful and right again. If we could grab a hold of that, what a difference it would make as we face the challenges of life. Because we all face those challenges, don't we? Now, as Jeremy mentioned, today is a big day for us here at Church in the Valley, Alhambra. It's our last Sunday here. We're experiencing a little bit of history. About five years ago, plans were being developed to launch a church campus right here in the Alhambra, Monterey Park area. And then a little over four years ago, we celebrated our grand opening right here at Keppel. And as Jeremy said, we are so thankful for the opportunity to be here and for the relationships that we've been able to have with the Keppel team, with the Alhambra School District. And so we, we really thank them. And we're looking forward to the new chapter at the Alhambra starting next week. So as we walk out the doors today, it's going to feel a little different. And I hope that as we do that, again, my hope is that you'll know that you are someone that God can use in spite of your past. Now, you and I, we need to know that. We need to because we want to make the most of the opportunities that we've been given. Our time here on earth is limited. It goes by fast. But in spite of that, we can make a genuine difference if we allow God to shape our response to our past. Each of us, I'm convinced, each of us, if given a choice, would choose to have a positive impact on the people around us, the world around us. Not no impact. Not a negative impact. And so when God gives us chances to make a difference... We want to grab hold of them before they slip past us. And that's what we've been looking at in this latest message series. It's called TikTok, And as the series image shows, time is moving along. It's like it's looming over us. And then there, beyond that, is the world outside waiting. What are we going to do? What choices will we make as we interact with the world around us? How will we use the days that we have left in this life? And so while we tend to measure time in terms of minutes, hours, weeks, years, A better way to look at it, a way we're trying to look at it in this series, is measuring time by the opportunities that God gives us. Instead of moment to moment, we want to try to think opportunity to opportunity. What opportunities do I have now, and how can I make the most of them? What opportunities could be coming in the future, and how do I prepare? And today, since we're talking about how to get back up, if there are opportunities that I've missed in the past... How do I learn from them and at the same time keep them from undermining what God wants to do in me and through me as I move forward? So that's what we're looking at in this, in this series. And a key passage of Scripture has been Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. Let's take a look at that. Be very careful, then, how you live, like an acrobat on a tightrope. 
be very careful, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And we know that, don't we? We can look around and see examples of how the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Make the most of every opportunity. Who do these opportunities come from? From God. Even though the days are evil, God is giving us gifts, gift after gift, opportunity after opportunity. The days are evil and much of what's happening is beyond our direct control, but we do control how we respond. We do get to choose how we respond to the things that we've done and how we respond to the things that happen to us. So God gives us opportunities. What are we going to do about it? How will we respond? Now, in this series, we're looking at examples from history to see how they responded. These are characters from the Bible who battled emotions that are familiar to all of us and that can really derail our progress in life. One of these emotions is fear. And in week one, we looked at the life of Sarah. Sarah, who had no children into her old age and yet became a mother of nations. We were reminded of how tempting it is to try to control things when we feel afraid. And we looked at how there are times in life when things are really completely beyond our control and we just have to wait. It's like being in the waiting room when a loved one is in surgery. It can be agonizing. And we learn that God works in us, works through us, and he works for us as we choose faith in the midst of fear and waiting. We choose to trust God and obey God, and God comes through. Another time-wasting, life-wasting trap we can fall into is this feeling of inadequacy. And we looked at this last week, focusing on the story and example of Moses. We were reminded that Moses can relate if we feel like we can't measure up. You ever felt that way? I, I just don't measure up. If you've ever wondered if people would listen to you if you spoke up about what God wants, Moses can relate to that. Right? And if you've ever battled the kind of deceptive, condemning thoughts that so easily come our way, I'm, I'm too flawed to help, I'm not gifted, I don't have what it takes, I can't change, those are common battles. And Moses can relate. And God's response to Moses is a promise that each of us can take hold of in our lives today. God says, I will be with you. God's power and love overcome any inadequacy we face if we give it to him. Now today, we're going to consider one of Jesus' most famous friends and students, Peter. We're going to look at things. We're going to look at his life. We're going to look at the things he got right, things he got wrong, because he is like us. He fell short. In fact, we may cringe at some of the failures as we consider them. They, they could have been debilitating for him. And I'm sure it was a struggle to push past them. But by God's grace, he did. And we're going to look at the perspective God gave him as he turned his back on those failures and pressed on to do what God wanted him to do. There's hope for us, too, as we face setbacks. Now, if, if you have ever felt regret about a decision you've made, I, I feel like I can relate. To put a long story short, we bought a new used van recently, and everything looked great. And I was just really grateful for the way it all turned out. And then there was just this little thing with the transmission right before my wife and kids went on a long road trip. And I just kind of thought, we'll pray about it, and hopefully it's nothing. Well, they got, thankfully, safely up to the Bay Area, and then the transmission went bye-bye. And so we've spent the last week, they're, they're kind of stranded, they're, we're going to be bringing them back. We've spent the last week figuring out how to get the van down here where it's under warranty. It's not under warranty anywhere else. Uh, 
And that's expensive. They're not, they're not paying for that. And how to get the kids back and how to get my wife Lori and baby back. So there's a lot, there's a lot of moving parts, and I really want to keep the story short, but if you've ever felt dumb or felt like maybe I got tricked or felt like I just should have done the right thing and I didn't, that's how I'm feeling right now. It's really frustrating. And this actually is very mild compared to some misery I put myself through several years back. Several years back, I took a job as a salesman. It seemed like the best job I could find at the time. My, my previous job had wound down, so I needed to look for something else. And this was a company that manufactured and sold whole house water filtration systems. So you, the water would come from the city pipes. It would go through the system. It would get all cleaned up. And then it would go into your house, and you could shower and bathe and wash dishes and drink water from the tap without chlorine. It's like a Brita filter for your whole house, although we did not market it that way. It never seemed like it would help as we tried to sell these things. So I, I remember so clearly, I went in for an interview. The sales manager asked me, so how much did you make at your last job? And when I told him, he said, two a week. That's all you got to do to make the same money, sell two a week. Now... I didn't think it would be as easy as finding a sunny day in Southern California, but I also didn't think that it would be impossible. After all, I figured I could learn. I figured I would work hard. Uh, side note, have you ever believed something because you really, you just wished it were true? Yeah. Fast forward a few months, I had learned a lot. I had learned about different types of water treatment, how to listen to customers' concerns, I learned how leads were distributed. Leads are for closers. Anyone? Uh, how many salespeople sold two systems a week? It wasn't as many as I had hoped. I learned that there was a lot of driving in this type of work. And I learned that I was not good at selling whole house water filtration systems. And from then on, it was like being unemployed. I was looking for a new job. I was making an occasional sale. And I was struggling financially in a way that I had never experienced before with a family to take care of. And so in the middle of that, I was dealing with feeling guilty, feeling ashamed, dealing with condemnation and embarrassment and comparison. These things would just kind of come, and I'd, I'd try to fight them and ask God to help me and try to get encouragement from the community around me, from, from church in the valley, and a lot of things helped. But I, I really struggled with these things, and I, I felt like, in this job that was going nowhere, I felt like I had wasted years of my life. And I kind of looked back at my attitude in high school and college, and I thought, I was so cocky. I was so sure that the things I was doing then were going to lead me into some perfect future with this great job, and everything would, would work out just the way I wanted it to work out. And I had acted arrogantly and presumptuously. And, and, and I'd even, you've heard the phrase, follow your heart. I had followed my heart in some ways that indulged fantasy instead of prudence and humility. And these kinds of things were being revealed to me as I struggled with not knowing where we were going to get the money for the rent and things like that. It was, it was just a really agonizing experience. I'm so grateful that it's done. Now, these, these types of thoughts are common. I mean, you may be fighting some of them right now. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I knew it was stupid but I did it anyway. I knew it was wrong, but I did it anyway. Now, you may be fighting thoughts of failure that come from something that's not your fault. Maybe something like, there, there must be something wrong with me for, for them to say that. Or I, I can't forget what happened. 
Or I wish I could erase that. Or I tried my best. I tried my best. And I failed. I wasn't good enough. This can be extremely difficult. And my hope is that today we will get comfort from from God as we face these things. And in fact, God does give us what we need to battle these kinds of thoughts. He gives us comfort as we turn to him. And here's what's so amazing. The comfort that he gives us not only helps us, but it also actually allows us to better help others. Look at 2 Corinthians. This is the beginning of the book of 2 Corinthians. This is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And he starts with a greeting, and then he says in verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. That means compassion for you and what you're facing right now. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. That means any comfort that's going to come is going to come from him. The God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Our hurts can be used to comfort others. Our failures, our shame, even though we would undo those things if we could, if we could go back and choose differently, we would. And yet, those painful experiences can be used as part of God's plan to heal And comfort the people around us. I've got to tell you, if somebody tells me about a bad used car purchase, it's going to be different for me now. I'm going to hear that in a different way. And I hope to be able to be helpful and some kind of comfort, right? And when I hear about someone who's struggling with work, looking for work and can't find it, that is totally different now that I've experienced that. And again, I hope that God can use that. Uh, Use that experience in me and then in that next person. And this is what God wants to do for all of us. So, you know, we we don't look go out looking for trouble. But as it comes as a natural part of life in this fallen world, we can turn to God for comfort and we can grab hold of the promise that he will use it, not just for our good, but for the good of the people around us. So with that promise sort of settling into our hearts, Let's look at the life of a man who was no stranger to embarrassment and failure, a regular guy, just like us, Peter. Here is a little bit of Peter's story. Now, we cannot cover everything, of course. Peter's life is fascinating. If you've never read about him or it's been a while, please go get the Bible. Start in Matthew, or you can start in the book of Acts if you like. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and read about Peter. Read about the things that he did See how he was so much like us. Look at how Jesus related to him. It's absolutely fascinating and incredibly helpful for us as we lean into the challenges of life today. Peter got a lot of things right. He made some big mistakes. And there were points in his life when he was probably called violent or out of control, when he was probably called arrogant, when he was probably called a traitor. And we can't cover it all today again, but we're going to start in Luke 5 and Right before this, Peter, just, so, just for a little background, Peter has already met Jesus. In fact, Jesus went to his house and healed his mother-in-law, who had this really bad fever. And Peter had seen this healing. And then at the end of the day, it was the Sabbath, and people were not supposed to walk too much during the Sabbath. But at, at nightfall, when the Sabbath was officially over, a whole lot of people brought their friends and their neighbors who were sick. And they brought them to Jesus at Peter's house. And Peter was there as Jesus healed person after person. 
So Peter's met Jesus. And then we're going to pick up a little bit later in chapter 5. Chapter 5 of Luke. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. That's the Sea of Galilee, just another name for that. And the people are pushing in on Jesus. They have heard enough of his wisdom and his power that they want to get there to hear what he has to say. As they're pushing in, and he's standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Who could that be? Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, that means Peter's. Simon's another name for Peter. He got into Simon's boat and he asked him to put out a little from the land. Peter, this crowd is making it hard for everybody to hear what I'd like to share. Let's move in the boat just a little bit back. Everybody can sit down and relax. They won't be pushing forward anymore. And I will teach them. Would you do that for me? He asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down. Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. So Peter's in the boat, Jesus is in the boat, he's teaching all the people. Let's go to the next slide. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, again, this is Peter, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Peter was a fisherman. He had friends who were fishermen. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. Master, I'm a fisherman. You're not a fisherman. We were up all night trying to do this and nothing came. But because you say it, I will do it. And Peter gets something right here, right? He's seen Jesus' power. He's seen the way he cares for people. I will obey you, even though it doesn't make sense to me. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. A large number of fish, what is that? Is that like just a pile at the deli? It's, it's more than a large number of fish. This is understated, to say the least. And their nets were breaking. Okay, they didn't build their fish nets to break when they carried fish, right? They built them to carry as many fish as possible. And yet here they are breaking as they pull up the fish that Jesus told them to go find. Let's keep going. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. They didn't build their boats to sink when they carried fish. And yet here are two boats full of fish that Jesus has miraculously provided, and the boats begin to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Jesus, I can see your power, I can see your goodness, and I should not be near you. Please, don't do this to me. Peter was actually afraid. He wasn't just amazed at the fish or bummed that his nets were breaking or worried about the sinking boats. He was actually afraid. Let's keep going. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, little cameo for them, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. He says it because he's afraid. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Another translation says, You will be fishers of men. You caught fish, which is a good thing. You're going to help catch people, which doesn't mean catch them and wrap them up and sell them. It means bring them into God's kingdom, which is a far better thing than just catching fish. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. I wanted to share this whole passage with you to share a moment when Peter really got it right. He recognized Jesus for who he was, which is a key to pushing past failure by God's help. And he left everything to follow him. It was, it was a, it's such a great example of him 
seeing Jesus for who he was, and deciding, I will obey. Now, we're going to jump forward to Luke chapter 9. This is another example of when Jesus got it right. Jesus said, or when Peter got it right, Jesus had been teaching more. And at this point, he's praying, and his disciples are with him, but the crowds are not. Now, Luke chapter 9, now it happened that as he was praying alone, Jesus, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, who did the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God, the Savior, the Messiah. So again, Peter gets it right. Now we're going to shift to a darker time in the life of Jesus, a darker time in the life of Peter. We're going to skip ahead to John chapter 13. This is when Jesus and his disciples have just been celebrating the Passover meal. This is right before Jesus is arrested. Jesus has talked about how he's going to be arrested and killed, and the disciples haven't quite known what to make of this. And he has just told them, in fact, Judas has just left to betray him. Everyone's there. Judas goes out and leaves. And Jesus continues to talk to the others. So you can only imagine what's on Jesus' heart as he says these things. And he says, I'm going someplace that you will not be able to go. You're not going to be able to follow. And then let's look at John chapter 13, starting in verse 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Have you ever said that to someone? That's a really big thing to say. It's not the sort of thing you say if you don't mean it, right? Why can't I go with you, Jesus? It doesn't matter what happens. I will follow you no matter what. I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly. And when he says truly, it's for emphasis. When he says it twice, it's for extreme emphasis. Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Tonight, before the sun comes up and the rooster signals the new day, you will have denied me three times. Now, what must that have felt like? Peter lays it on the line, and his best friend, his Savior, his Lord, says, no, you won't. In fact, you'll do pretty much the worst possible thing, and it's going to all happen tonight. Now, they left from the Passover meal, and they went out into the garden. Jesus wanted to pray. And he brought the disciples, and he brought Peter and James and John with him, and he said to them, I've got to tell you, I feel so terrible right now, so sorrowful. It's like I could die. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. So Jesus says, if you could do me this one favor, I feel so sick, it's like I'm going to die. Would you just stay here and keep watch? And if you know the story, you know that what happens next, and it's terrible. They fall asleep. He comes back and he finds them asleep. He wakes them up and says, wake up. And then he says, pray so that you don't fall into temptation. Now for Peter, Peter has already been told, you're going to deny me tonight three times. And he's already fallen asleep when his best friend, his king, says, 
Do me this one favor and keep watch. And now Jesus tells him, pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And Peter and the others fall asleep again. So it's, it's just getting worse and worse for Peter. I, I can hardly imagine it. He's already failed so much in this evening, right? And then, as you know, if you know the rest of the story, Jesus is arrested. He's dragged off. The disciples flee. Peter, to his credit, has the courage to follow along. And when he's outside the area where Jesus is being interrogated, people start to recognize him. They say, ah, oh, you, were, you were with him, weren't you? And just as Jesus predicted three times, says, no. No, I wasn't. I, was, I don't even know him. In fact, it says that he called down curses on himself to try to convince the people there that he did not know Jesus. And then the rooster crowed, and then Peter wept. So he got some things so right, and yet at this crucial moment in his best friend's life, he completely failed. And this could have been debilitating for him. It could have ruined his life. That could have been the end of the story of Peter. He could have ended up as a byword in the Bible. And, and Peter, you know, he could be, we could say, oh, you're such a Peter and mean a failure. You're such a Peter and mean a traitor. But that's not what we say because by God's grace, he was able to push past this failure. And Jesus restored him. Jesus forgave him. Jesus gave him a huge job to do, which cost Peter everything. But Peter was able to push past his failure. God wants to help us move past our failures, move, move past the regrets and hurt in our past as well. And there's some things we can do to do our part as God gives us the power to move past. Now, I'm going to push through these kind of quickly. I encourage you to look at these verses later on. First of all, we do our part by recognizing Jesus for who he is. We talked about that earlier. Jesus claimed to be God. He claimed to have all the authority, all the power. As we recognize that that is who he is, we're able to humble ourselves before him. That's the first key to pushing past our failures. If we want God's help, we have to recognize Jesus for who he is. We also do our part by learning all that we can from our failure. Hey, maybe you shouldn't send your family driving when the transmission's a little funny. Maybe you shouldn't believe the sales manager when he's selling you something. We learn all we can from our past failures. The, the book of Proverbs, I don't have a, a, a particular verse mentioned there, but if you look in the book of Proverbs, you will find verse after verse about being teachable, being humble enough to accept advice from others, while looking for advisors. So we need to be doing that. And we also move past by confessing to God, by agreeing with God. That's what confessing means. It means agreeing with God about our sin. As we do that, God forgives us. We have the freedom to move past our sins. We also need to be refusing to compare. It's such a trap to compare. How come so-and-so's transmission clunked and they didn't have a huge accident? And my family did. You know, it, it could be anything. It just... We just get bombarded by, by the temptation to compare, compare, compare. And this passage, passage points out how foolish it is. It's just not going to help. Okay? And then finally, we need to do our part by moving forward in faith, by trusting God and obeying God. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote the passage in Philippians, by the way, are these in your notes, or is it just, do you have the passages? Okay. 
because otherwise I'll tell you all of them. They're really important. Philippians 3, 12 and 14, Paul talks about this and he says, you know what? I, I'm not, I don't have it all figured out. I'm not perfect. But what I do is I put the past behind me and I move forward. I press on because that's the direction that God's calling me to. That's the direction where the reward is that God is offering me. So I go that way. I go that way. I go that way. I put the past behind me. And so by faith, we can choose to do the same thing. This is what Peter did by God's grace. And so he, an ordinary fisherman who responded to God's call, was able to turn his back on his failure and his shame. And God used him to bless so many people around him. His story continues in Acts. You should read the full story. It's so amazing. Chapter 1, Peter steps up as a leader after Jesus has gone into heaven. Chapter 2 of Acts, something we call Pentecost. There's this amazing display of supernatural power. And it gets so strange that people who are not following Jesus think, what is going on? This is like the weirdest thing ever. These guys must be drunk. And Peter gets up and he says, he preaches to this huge crowd, a massive crowd, They are not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. What actually is happening is a display of God's power. And then he goes on to preach Jesus Christ crucified and repentance for sins. And actually 3,000 people became followers of Jesus that day by the power of God working through Peter and the display of power there. Chapters 3 and 4, Peter goes out with John. They see a lame beggar. The guy's about 40 years old. And he has been lame his whole life. He's asking for money. Peter says to him, I don't have any money, but I will give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ, by his power, stand up, walk. The man stands up. He's never walked. And here he is walking around. And of course, everyone's shocked. Another huge crowd gathers. What happened? How did this happen? Is Peter some kind of miracle worker? And he again preaches. He says, It is not because of me. It is by the power of Jesus Christ this man you see here can walk. Well, so many people got excited about this that the religious leaders got riled up. And they got, Peter and John got arrested. The leaders said later, look, we're going to let you go. Don't talk about Jesus anymore. And I I just love this part. You've got to read this part. Peter and John say, well, why don't you tell us which is better, to obey you or to obey God? Because we can't help talking about what we've experienced. And the story goes on and on and on. Later on, and the church keeps growing. Later on, they're arrested again. And I want to end today by telling you, hopefully we will all take this with us as we go out these doors, that God's power makes all the difference. And there's this fascinating piece of Scripture in Acts chapter 5, as we're sort of leading up to it with that summary. Acts chapter 5 They've been arrested again. They get in this huge argument with the religious leaders. The religious leaders actually wanted to kill Peter and the disciples, like literally kill them. And there was a man named Gamaliel, and he stood up. He was respected. He was a religious leader, and he was respected by all of them. And he said, you know what? Why don't you put those guys outside for a few minutes? I have something I want to say. They all respect him, and they all listen. And Gamaliel goes on to say, look, There was one guy, he tried to start a movement all by himself. He gathered some people around him. What happened? He got himself killed. All his followers scattered. Nothing came of it. There was another guy. You guys all know the story. He did the same thing. He gathered a bunch of people, 
tried to be somebody, tried to make trouble, he also perished. His followers also floated away. And then he says this, and this is what I want us to leave with today. Acts 5, starting in verse 38. Therefore, in the present case, in the case of Peter, John, and these other followers of Jesus, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Now, he's a religious leader. He does not agree with the teachings of Jesus at this point. But he speaks with some wisdom here that we can take with us as a comfort and an encouragement. In the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. We've already seen how this works. If it's of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. As we face frustration with our past, or shame, or discouragement, if our purposes or our activities to move past that, if our efforts to overcome our failures are based on our own human effort, they will fail. But if they are from God, who will stop us? If we turn to God for his comfort, for his power, we humble ourselves before him and through his power move beyond our failures, learning from them, but setting them in the past. What will stop us from being used by God? What will stop us from experiencing God's peace? Now today, as we wrap things up, we always talk about next steps. We want what we talk about here to be practical. It has to be. If you leave here and you think, oh, I enjoyed that. That does nothing, right? It, it really doesn't help. If you listen and do nothing, it won't help. So we always try to think of what can we do this week, even if it's just one thing, what can we do as a next step? Now, this is kind of a big one, actually. Peter, at the end of his life, wrote a letter called Second Peter. He was an old man. He was convinced he was going to die soon. And as far as we can tell, he did. He was martyred soon after he wrote this letter. So he's an old man. He has his entire life to reflect on. His failures, his experiences of God's power and comfort in his life. And in this letter, it's like a last chance for him to encourage the people that he's writing to. So one next step you could take this week is to read Second Peter Chapter 1, 1 through 11. Now, it takes a little bit of effort. But if you do that, and you try to put yourself in the context of that letter, so you're part of a church, and these kinds of letters are how you stay connected to the church in other cities. There's no Facebook, right? Nothing like that. And you're facing persecution from the government, and you're facing maybe from the, your neighbors as well. And you're facing pressure to change what you believe, to corrupt your beliefs, make them easier for you. What do you do? How do you, how do you deal with this? And then you get this letter, and it's not just any letter. It's from Peter, who learned from Jesus face to face. And it's Peter saying, I'm near the end of my life. There's some things I really want you to understand. 
At the end of this passage, it's kind of a long passage. He rattles off a bunch of things which we could spend weeks exploring in messages like these. But at the end of this passage, he makes this huge promise. He says, if you do these things, you will never fall. So I encourage you this week to check it out and consider, as I deal with my past, what does God want to say to me through this passage? That's one next step you could take. Another very practical next step would be to ask God to help you move past your failures, to pray to him and say, I, maybe, maybe you thought this was already done and, and now it feels like it's not. You can ask him for help. Or maybe it's something that you've always kind of thought, I don't like to think about that. I avoid thinking about that. But it did happen. You can ask God to help you move past that. Final next step is blank because God may have brought something else to mind. I'm going to invite the band up as uh, we get ready to worship with a couple more songs. The final next step is blank. God may have told you something else that he would like you to do to move forward under his power and in his comfort this week. I want to finish today with a benediction. At the end of Second Peter, the very last words, as far as I know, that we have recorded from Peter, this is what he says, and I hope it will be a blessing for each of us today. As we walk out the doors, we say thank you and goodbye to Keppel. Second Peter 3.18 But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.